Welcome to Razzle Frat. We're back to talk books, coffee, pop culture, and more. I'm Allie. And I'm Ashton. So, how have you been? What's the latest news? What's the hot goss? Nothing really. Um, my biggest piece of news is that I got another cat. So, I had one cat um, for three years, and I just got her a sister, and her name is Pippa, and she is the cutest little bean. Um, so I love her. That's really the only thing that's new with me. I mean, the weather is changing, which is nice. It's not new to like me personally, but it is like a new thing um, for me to be outside more um, and get more um, sunshine and exercise. So that's really all that's going on with me. Um, yeah. What are the good things though? Is um, what is Pippa? Like, did you choose that or when you rescued her? So when I rescued her, her name was Chispa. Chispa, it's Spanish. It means little spark. Um, pretty. Yeah, it's cute. Um, but I always wanted, this is like, my dream was to have two cats named Mary and Pippin, like the hobbits in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and so I wanted two boys, but then they don't, you know, the one chooses the wizard is what I always think of. <laughs> but it's like, the cat chooses you. You don't choose the cat. So when Mary chose me, I was like, okay, her name's Meredith. I'll call her Mare. Um, and then I got Pippa, and it was going to be Pippin. Same thing. She chose me. So I have Mare and Pip as, like, Mary and Pippin. So that I'm kind of living the dream. <laughs> and I literally love that you've included not one, but two references to bookish worlds. Um, can you tell that we are in a presence of a nerd? <laughs> yeah, no shit. But, um... So anyway, so it was, like, perfect because it was, like, close to her name that she had had for, like, six months with her foster. So she wasn't, like, completely confused. It had the same kind of sound. And usually I just call her, like, Pumpkin or Sweetie anyway. So, um, but yeah, Mare did not take to her well at first, but now they're friends and they play and they're super cute. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, those are very healthy, lovely things um, to welcome in spring, unlike (laughs) me (laughs) in my life. Um, uh, I've been kind of like, I don't know. I've been caught up in like letting things get to me too much. So I haven't been as creative as I would like to be. Like I haven't written in my newsletter or posted on bookstagram, which those followers are savage. Not that I have a lot, but like you don't post in one week. They unfollow. Oh my goodness. Like where's the loyalty? I know. Like I literally lost like 10 plus followers. What's crazy to me is that I don't monitor people's pages like that. Like Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell tell you like the people that I do follow on bookstagram like I couldn't tell you oh they haven't posted this week like I'm not checking that frequently so I don't know why other people are which is weird to me it's so weird also because like you hear about bookstagram in general and it's like everybody is so like communal and like everybody's just one big bookie family no they don't gamble bookish family not bookies um Um, this isn't the Peaky Blinders. (laughs) But, yeah, I just... I don't know, man. I'm going to bookworm jail, too, because I also, like, forgot to return, um... A library book? Well, okay. So, <laughs> hear me out. <laughs> no. So, first, it was... I tried to renew the book because, like, it was due. I didn't have time to, like, read it right away because uh, I was reading... I've joined one too many book clubs. I've girl boss too close to the sun with all my bookish <laughs> friends. And um, I just was behind. And I also couldn't find books. Like, I just didn't want to buy them and they weren't available. Whatever. So, this one, I was, like, scheduled to read for April. And I had gotten it out in March and it was like due March 29th and I was like well I have other books that I'm trying to read first so I tried to renew it and it wouldn't let me because um it was just waiting yeah because it was just released and it's just like I get it but I was like ah whatever they like I kind of was like a bad girl and I was like okay well well (laughs) no I'm really good about library stuff it's just like they don't charge anymore if you're late they don't charge late fees anymore because like one day I got one when I got really sick in December like I I physically couldn't return a book because I thought I had COVID which I think I did but like tested negative anyway um so they don't charge late fees I was like oh I'll just be a week late and then I forgot (laughs) um and I was checking my email like trying to be better about it and like it's like 
Um, you haven't returned your book in like two weeks. Um, and after like four weeks, it's like deemed like lost yeah. and like reported like as like missing or whatever. And I was like, oh my god. I was like, this is like a brand new book that just came out this year. Like, I am a horrible, horrible person. So, long story short, I returned it today. But I was just like, wow. Wow. I know. Nearly escaped it. And then um, I've also been low-key... Um, well, there's not many people listening, so it's okay. My <laughs> reputation is still intact. But I have been binging the Bridgerton books. Okay, because, because, the books. So... They're as you would expect. Are they um, Yes and no. I mean, they're spicy as in, like, as spicy as early 2000s romance oh. novels are. Very, like, the... I, I mean, to be honest, I do prefer the, the show. <sighs> just because it's a bit more nuanced and realistic. Like, I was best at Colin this past season. <laughs> so I was like, let me read the Pollen book. Um, Penelope and Colin, um, just to like kind of <laughs> redeem him in my eyes, and like I've heard bad things about the the third one or whatever book it. Yes, the third one. <sighs> he is so annoying, and it's like I understand the romance tropes, but it's like I don't. I get very turned off about like the dudes that are like I must claim her she must be mine and it's like gets angry at like irrational shit because like deep down they're worried about them but like on the surface they're like you're a fucking idiot like i'm gonna control you and lock you up in my dungeon and it's like oh it's just because he loves him loves her and i'm just like i don't i'm not attracted to that yeah but i am attracted to the sex scenes so So, scene in the latest season we had to wait a long time for it seven episodes but when it i was gonna say when it came (laughs) (laughs) no pun intended (laughs) my roommate and i were literally screaming and our neighbors probably hated us because we were like damn girl we were so we were so happy for her i love that scene but what i loved more was like her outfit (laughs) like her matching silk bra and and like shorts and I was like I was like googling I was like silk pajamas (laughs) just so I could recreate that scene which would never happen because she's like six foot and gorgeous like she's tall yeah um we'll just all so beautiful I know um (laughs) I think he's attractive I think the guy that plays Colin is attractive and like like, you can see the long yeah you can see Benedict Benedict's hot, but he's like weathered. Like yeah, that that boy has been ridden rough. <laughs> like you can yeah. tell. You can tell like he's he's in his thirties, the actor. Uh-huh. I'm not saying like thirties are old. I'm just saying like you can tell they're older than the, what they're supposed yeah. to portray. Yeah, Whereas like true. Colin I think is like our age. He's like t- the actor is like yeah. 24, 25, something like that. So anyway, um which fun fact, Eloise and um Oh my god. Um, Penelope. Uh, Penelope, you're actually in their 30s. Yeah, they're like 35. Those are, they are beautiful sirens. Yes. I'm sorry, they don't age, and I will stand by that. And no. it's, oh, what about, okay, so we're not going to talk about this forever. Um, we could, but we won't. We could, and then my other news are not book-related or Bridgerton-related. Um, it is life-related. <laughs> so, all right, I attempted to go out in the world, go out dancing. Um, I am no by me, and by no means, like, a party girl. I don't go to the it spots. I don't think they'd even let me in i'll reach the height requirements on the ride <laughs> i don't like heels when i go out dancing because i like to actually dance and not just stand in a corner and frown so i've had some very like huge misses going to the old places my old haunts and uh lo- the lower east side and like east village vibes which are just trash in like in the best way um because when i go there I immediately feel my hair graying because um, all the TikTokers. It's not even like I'm on TikTok, um, but like it's like it's it's the the kids that are there in like skater dresses and like like or like what are they called the bodycon dresses and uh, like just dirty ass sneakers and like a nice ass club yeah. where like I can't afford the model service there, no. and they're just standing there bobbing their heads and the music is not even dance music put on some fucking madonna for me but like not even dance music and it just starts playing like rap or whatever which rap is fine but like that's more house party shit yeah not club yeah and it's and like and they're just standing there bobbing heads and like the minute i was i wanted to get out is like when i just hear oh this is a tiktok song and i'm like bitch no 
Um, this is like a late aughts uh, pop song. Yeah. Please, please get away from me. Yeah. <laughs> please get away from me. Like ten feet. Don't even social distance. Like, like anti social distance. Like get get yeah. go out that exit door. Yeah. Um. So. How dare you? <laughs> so. We, we tried something else, a couple of my friends and I, and we went out, I, we all live in Brooklyn, so we tried Williamsburg, and we like looked up some places, and there was this place in Greenpoint, I'm not going to drop any names, because you don't need to know, so we go to this place in Greenpoint, we get there, heard good things, heard it's fun to dance there, lines around the block, we're like, alright, shows that it's good time. Yeah. We get in line, we're like, alright, well, while we're in line, we'll look for another place, because it's productive. Yeah. And, because like, we're not going to, you know, and the line was moving, yeah. so we get around the bend, this guy comes over, and he's like telling us, he's like, cover charge is... And I quote, thirty dollars, <gasps> three zero. I was like, I'm sorry, what? That's insane. I was like, are you gonna like breastfeed me champagne when I get in there? <laughs> like thirty dollars? I was like, That's I was like, sir, insane. we are in Greenpoint. Have you seen girls? Have you like mm. that? Greenpoint. Crazy. No. N O. Like in Spanish. No. So I just like couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> On Espanol. No. <laughs> so we're like, all right, let's go to this other place. So we go back to Williamsburg. We get in like, there's a lot shorter line. It's moving. There's girls. Also, people weren't dressed. There was a guy in biker shorts in that line. I was like, you're paying $30. You're wearing a t-shirt and biker shorts. No. Um... So, but like on a Saturday night, yeah, you don't have to wear it like dressed to the nines, but like yeah, put it a little upper if you're going dancing and whatever you know. If you want to be comfortable, be comfortable. I'm not paying thirty dollars though. So we go to this other bar, bar club, whatever. Looked it up, seemed good. Get into the shorter line. Girls are in like dresses, like it, it was more our vibe anyway. Yeah. These girls like are trying to figure out what the cover is because they're hearing things. There's two separate lines. We get into the shorter line. We're like, all right, whatever. Like facing two different ways. There's two separate doors. So they're talking to this guy and they're trying to figure out the cover charge. Long story short, there are two separate cover charges because there's two separate doors. One door lets you into one part of the club. The other door lets you into the entire part of the club, like the whole club. You only get portions. So the line that we were in was the one part of the club that was twenty dollars, two zero. The other line forty. I was like, oh my god! Ah, but I think there's oh cele- I think like celebrities go into that one because it's Williamsburg. But I was just like, hell no! So we went to the same place. I'm not gonna name it. We went to the same place I went for my birthday. You were yes. with me. Oh my gosh, that place was fun. It was fun music, weird ass people. I literally saw a gentleman. Um, you know the crab walk. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I saw him in that position, hip thrusting, uh, and a woman, um, she was a woman, she was grown, um, <clears throat> backing it up <laughs> onto his crab walk stance. And I was like, I was like, mm. <laughs> I was like, there's not a lot of room here. I was like, I was like, there's, there's a wall there and there's the bar there. Yes, like, there's no <laughs> Not a big place. <laughs> and then so they bumped into us and they had the audacity to look at us like we had the problem. I was like, oh, my, sir, your hands were on that floor, that nasty ass oh floor. God. I was like, and I'm pretty sure I witnessed like a praying mantis mating call. Um, this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, so if I go, if I go to the places with like the like good, cool vibes and people actually dress nice. They play shit music yeah. and there's children. If I try to get into a place that has good reputation, um, I have to pay my firstborn. Yeah. Um, and then I go to the one place that's free and plays decent music, but the people are like let off leashes. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Oh, um, but I did do. I ended up. Uh, it was really fun. There was um a group of people that like did the kid and play move. I don't know if you know that. It's like when you you step forward. It's from like an old. It's from. Is it from the movie House Party in the nineties? Um, where you like step forward and you like tap your like leg to their leg and then you step back and oh, then you step yeah, forward and tap. Ah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you you connect legs and then you hop. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We did that. It was fun. Oh, that, that was fun. Yeah. But. <laughs> I would have been so <sighs> But anyway, um, so <laughs> hence why I think I'm spiraling yeah. is because I'm having a serious identity crisis. Um, but anyway, let's, uh, we're going to have a long pod today because we haven't seen each other. 
Um, so let's talk about the books we're reading. Um, what are you reading right now? Um, okay, so I am listening to The Stand by Stephen King. Um, I think I've mentioned this on the pod before that I want to read all of his books in order to kind of chart his progression as a writer. So The Stand is next up. It's his, I think it's his longest book. The audiobook is 48 hours. It is insane. And even it, I'm missing person. I know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm watching a lot of criminal lines. <laughs> oh, my love. Anyway. I and I even listened to it at like 1.5 speed that's still 36 hours um so it's been really good kind of weird and interesting to read about a plague in the middle of the pandemic but luckily we're like coming off the other end I don't think that I could have like isn't there a new variant (laughs) (laughs) um there's at least like a vaccine like there is hope in sight I could not have read this in March of 2020 Uh but anyway it's it's interesting um but it is very long um, I'm also in the middle of a Harry Potter reread, which is also very long. Um, so I guess it? I just hate myself. No, that was, that was <laughs> Megan, your roommate, that was doing that. Yeah, Megan was doing that. She kind of reads them. She won't sit down and read them all like back to back, but she'll like read one here and then one here. But I can't do that. I If I start with the first one, I have to read them all in a row. Oh, wow. You're reading the whole series. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm reading. Wow. So I'm on number four now, which is where they get like big. Fire. Fire. Harry did put name in the Goblet of Fire. <laughs> anyway, um, so, um, yeah, and then I read, or I listened to, and then she was gone, um, by Lisa Jewell, and it was, it was, yeah. I saw where it was going, and you know, sometimes I think, like, I think I know where it's going, but then there's a twist, mm-hmm. and so I thought that's what was happening, but that wasn't what was happening, I just guessed the ending, um, and that almost never happens to me, because I'm, like, the naive, stupid person that they write twisty thrillers for, because I never see it coming, and I saw this one coming, but I don't think that that makes it, like, a bad book. I mean, I don't think every girl, every every book needs to be, like, a gone girl, like, huge twist to be good. It's still, it still interested me enough for me to finish it, which says a lot, I think. Yeah, I, I also read that book, but I was a lot harsher in my view of it, just because I predicted, bleh, I predicted the whole thing. Like, not just the twist, like, every layout, lineup, whatever, within the first hundred pages which pissed me off because it's like a 300 page book and I was also really irritated because I've heard nothing but hype about Lisa Jewell and I'm like why is this popular it's it's bad writing it wasn't like no offense sorry Lisa um I wasn't impressed by the writing because I I could fault that like if you're not that great about like being it was just so obvious to me and maybe because I read so many books like I just have that knack for like know how when you're an avid reader like you can kind of see how things are gonna play out sometimes that's the thing sometimes I can very rarely do I even though I read all the time like I still am always surprised like the twists like a lot of times like even those more commercialized books uh the twists like yeah I I understand it it's not like a (gasps) moment like not all of them are so it's like for this one to be such a letdown for me I was like why is this woman popular I do think though like I don't know I thought the writing was like pretty good although I did listen to it on audio and they all have British accents so that's that's a plus right and Noelle had like um like an Irish accent in the book, so. Oh, no, not not. We know a Noel. Yeah, yeah, I was like, Noel's French. <laughs> no, um, in the book, um, which was also weird because in my head I was picturing the Noel we know as like the villain. Yeah. Um, oh, she was so greasy in that too. Yeah, in the book. Yeah, in the like, book. Yeah, in the book. <laughs> but um, yeah. So yeah, um, I don't know. Um, I feel like I've been talking a lot about my books. Why don't you talk about some of your books? Mm, I have a lot though. And then I have one more book I want to talk about, but I'll let you talk for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, so, uh, the book that almost set me to bookworm jail, <laughs> Other People's Clothes by Kala Henkel. I would gladly, I would gladly go slap those cuffs on me because this book was worth it. I, it was released. I don't even know what it's about. It was released. I'm going to tell you. I know. It was released in February this year. Okay. Um, so it's her debut. This is like Berlin artist, woman, Broadway. She owns a bar. Like she does it all. So it's like late aughts, right? It's like 2009, I think it's set in. And it's basically about like this, the main character, Zoe, is like an American art student who is very lost and wayward. And like you find out, like you start in the, like you think she's in like some type of hospital ward.
ward, rehab, whatever. You don't know where she is. You just know she's like, she's talking to someone like a therapist and something happened. So you go back to the fact that she went to, she went to school in New York to follow her friend who was like a dancer and she was like her best friend and the best friend was like kind of an obsession in that like she mirrored everything that her best friend did, but they grew up together. So and like they grew up in Florida. So it was like not weird, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I don't know anything about Florida. So um, in New York, she's lost wayward. She's not really like figuring out what she wants to do. She doesn't fit in. Um, And then her friend gets murdered, which her friend actually doesn't get murdered in New York, which for the longest time I thought she did. Mm -hmm. Her friend actually got murdered in the hometown, like went home to visit someone and like got murdered. So um, like got milk. Um, So (laughs) I know the way I said it, I was like, got milk, got murdered. Um, Question mark. (laughs) Blood on the mustache. So, um, (laughs) Jesus. Um, So she's like, I want to run away. She was supposed to go to Helsinki to study abroad because she's like, I hate fuck. I fucking hate New York. Um, Can't relate. And found out like her ex-boyfriend who was weird, um, like signed up for the Helsinki trip. She's like, oh, screw that. I'm going to Berlin. That's the only other place open. Doesn't speak German. Doesn't speak German. Has no friends. There's one girl, a popular girl, that is very like, we would call her basic these days. But back then she was like, popular because basic was what popular girls were um yeah like you know probably wore abercrombie and all that shit you know like that yeah so um they end up like living together in a hostel until they find this flat who was like owned by like this like creepy ass writer who was like very pristine like has like a the black straight haircut like the lip like very european looking very like straight laced and then her mother who's almost identical but with gray hair then at least the like their place the place is like a palace looking type thing but it's like shit there's no heat um falling things are kind of like in disarray it's like very old eastern european vibes so they're renting this flat and like basically being chaotic like just drinking to stay warm essentially (laughs) um doing any drugs that are offered to them uh zoe the main character goes through many identity crises crises she literally is wearing her dead friend's clothes because she misses her so much and she does not deal with grief you find out that before she even did this she started dating who she was continuing to date via skype her dead friend's ex-boyfriend from high school which like technically they had started seeing each other when like before the girl died and then like fucked the night of the funeral and like all this stuff and so it 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 escalates because basically the 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 roommate keeps using all of her uh scenarios to like make them seem more interesting so um it's just wild the whole thing's wild it escalates um there's a there's an obsession with the amanda knox case that was happening a year before and then they're paranoid because they think that the writer is actually writing a book based on them and is like spying on them in the house and using the real stories so they start like creating these elaborate parties and like being like totally cabaret oh, you told me about this book. yeah 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 yes. and it's like the twist though there's two twists mm-hmm. the twist the very last fucking like paragraph i i like gasped out loud i was like what the fuck in like good way. oh my god in the best way it was okay. such a crazy ass twist and like my friend who read it for, with me like who's in my book club mm-hmm. like she texted me and me and she's like oh my god Ooh, I can't wait yeah to read it. yeah she was like texting me along the whole way like, so um I, we are talking a lot so i don't have to talk about any of the other books that i read because no, you um, only talked about one okay well this is okay i just don't want to talk too much um i'll be i'll be brief one more just do one more yeah, uh, I just blanked. Okay, so I'll just do. Uh, so I read Ninth House by okay, Lee Bardot. Bardugo. Yeah, so I've been recommended this book a couple times because I like the dark academia stuff and like I do like fantasy and things like that. Um, I was happily surprised. Okay. It's really cool. Um, it's set at Yale. Yeah, and like she's like she has a very shady past, but she has a special gift. Um, she sees dead people, so she's. Yeah. Um, which is like girls meets the success. Right? Um, but it's like so she gets uh recruited by this like the secret society. There's like a group of different like secret societies that all adhere to one giant secret society and like they perform like different magic magical, otherworldly, ghostly rites and things like that that like affect them in the world. Like the one that she helps or whatever she attends like the first one that she attends is like they're literally cutting into a man that's tech 
technically alive, but like they have them like sedated or something like that. And like, it's how they predict the stock market. But like the problem is when they're doing stuff like that, it attracts ghosts. And so they have to like do a protection ring and she's the one that has to make sure the protection read hold, ring holds and like do, does all this stuff and like- I don't know if I'd be into that. Yeah, no, it's actually, you would, to be okay. honest. I wasn't sure about it either, but as it continues and like starts to explain itself, because like she has to learn more about like the old histories and like, you know, like the pretentious academia and all that stuff. And like, it gets more intense and like she like has to learn about like, um, where her mentor went like he disappeared and like she's not allowed to tell anybody where he went and like she's very like she doesn't fit in with the crowd because she's very like brisk and like used to be a drug addict which is what she used to do to escape seeing all the dead people um i mean same yeah and so and so like nobody really like accepts her because she's not like them she's not rich and white essentially so not doing it justice but they she just announced the sequel and the cover for it i am living <laughs> living for it there's a there's a leg flick um yes. that nobody can see but oh and i'm not even gonna talk about it because it's, 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 it gives away the ending <laughs> i know once i found out there was like a series leaves on the cliffhanger and i was like oh my life is over i gotta commit <laughs> So, oh my gosh. So good. I love um, that. Okay, cool. Well, I'll have to give that one a shot too because I see that everywhere on like the Dark Academia list. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, cool. I'll have to. Yeah. And then you said you wanted to talk about one more, so. Oh, I will talk about this one briefly. Yeah. But I read this book called Shit Actually and it's like um, making fun of modern classic movies like Love Actually and she <laughs> like like decimates Love Actually which is amazing because I hate that fucking movie. Really? so much. I hate it. You know how much I hate Jane Eyre? I hate Jane Eyre with a burning passion. I will die on that hill. That's how much I hate this movie. Like, it is my worst enemy. I hate it. I and like Hugh Dan- Hugh, uh, Grant dancing. You what? I just cut you off. I like Hugh, Dan- Hugh Grant dancing. Fair. That's a good bet. But, it makes no fucking sense to me. I think it's so gross, and I am not... In Long story short, I'm not a fan. And so, she has, like, a whole essay. Like, each chapter is, like, a different movie. And so, she just goes through like a bunch of classics and like each chapter she just like says like everything that's wrong with the movie um and I love it it is so funny if you need like some comic relief in your reading life you have to read it it's um by Lindy West who did Shrill on Hulu and um and I love her show too but anyway shit actually can't recommend it enough it's fucking hilarious just, Everyone should read it. I just understood the title now. Now that you, oh yeah, like love actually. Oh yeah. my gosh, so good. But the the chapter on love actually exists as an essay um, that she wrote like years ago. Um, that was like the inspiration for the whole book. So you can just read the essay on love actually, which I highly recommend because it's amazing. Yeah. That sounds fun. Um, <laughs> but we actually read. We didn't even touch on all of them to be honest, or I didn't touch on all. Of them, but like we read a lot the last um, month or so. And uh, I've seen, like, I have a lot of themes, very serious books. Um, yeah. And yeah, you need to read something fun. We both do. I After do. this. I do. <laughs> I did start um, a fantasy book. I just, sci-fi fantasy book. I just put it aside to read our book for this pod, yes. um, our April book club pick, which is The Bluest Eye by um, Honey Morrison. Sorry. I just paused because it looked like it wasn't recording. I think it is is though and um maybe i'm just yeah i'm just at a weird angle so sorry about that um so the bluest eye i'm just gonna read the back copy just to give again um brief synopsis of the book um so piccola breed love a young black girl prays every day for beauty mocked by other children for the dark skin curly hair and brown eyes that set her apart she yearns for the blonde hair and blue eyes that she believes will allow her to finally fit in yet as her dream grows more fervent her life slowly starts to disintegrate in the face of adversity and strife a brilliant examination of our obsession with beauty and conformity tony morrison's virtuistic first novel asks powerful questions about race class and gender with the subtlety and grace that have always characterized in her writing which really speaks to um what you wanted to talk about ashton yeah um so if you want to kick us off on our little combo yeah 
Um, first of all, can I just say, after listening to you read that, <laughs> adversity and strife is putting it so mildly yeah, for what like this poor mildly. fucking girl goes through. Like, to call it adversity, like, I know you can't give away everything on the back flap, right? So, like, I get it, but I, I don't know. I feel like the copy's, like, so misleading to me. But anyway, um, so yeah, I wanted to talk about, um, so this is the English major in me. Um, Morrison, Toni Morrison is one of my favorite writers ever um, because of the way she writes and her use of form in like every novel she like really plays with the narrative structure and um, does something in each book that's very unique um, and she in this book I think I mean I don't know tell me if you agree with me that like sometimes I had to like reread pages because I was like wait who's talking where are we in the story is this a character we know or is this like like a general kind of person um, and it can be kind of frustrating I think when books do that because like it doesn't flow well and you have to like stop and it feels very fragmented but I think that that is Morrison's intention because she's such a brilliant writer that like she knows what she's doing and she's making the reader stop and reread and pause and feel that kind of tension like the characters feel and she wants you to feel uncomfortable and frustrated like the characters do at least that's how I read it maybe I'm just being like fangirly but we can't make sense of the novel they can't make sense of the like random cruelty in the book and in their lives and I think like it's her way of kind of like helping us like sympathize with the characters and I really love that about this book and all of her books um so I don't know I don't know what you, how you felt about it but that was kind of like my I really appreciated the form even though it was like frustrating at times yeah yeah the change of perspective I think um I did get confused most times the only thing that really kept me like sh- straight and like understanding was that I know that the first person I was always in the voice of Claudia which is the nine-year-old girl who she's almost always with her sister Frida Freda um who's a year older at 10 um and what confused me the most which I shouldn't because I read so many books and I've read Toni Morrison before was that like Cola really she's at the center of the novel but you don't hear from her Mm-mm. you really don't hear from her you get everybody else's perspective of her and it's so sad because it's like you know how she perceives the world but like you get everybody's per- perception of her um and it's almost all negative and it's yeah. so terrible and this is an 11 year old girl in the 40s um she's done nothing wrong she's she's just living her life. she is she walks around like she's just a burden to everyone so she shrinks and tries to make herself small and um i think like by showcasing all the different characters and leading up how they relate to her um just like again it's beautiful in her form and i know that um morrison has said in interviews that basically she was editing books in her job and she wanted to write a book that she hadn't seen because there was like a book that she desired to edit or read and so that's why she created these books um like you know beloved in the blue sky and and um sula sula yeah and uh, uh her other work and i think that like um the way she changes different perspectives and it showcases that everybody else except for claudia is in third person so but you still get how they feel how they think what they what they're doing why they're having these actions and their reasoning and i think it's commentary i think it's commentary on what makes a person you see in the now become that person um and it's it's heartbreaking i mean she's she really should have like gotten paid by kleenex because like she's just like tears your heart out you just don't know where to like cry or like hit something it's just amazing my heart broke for piccola so many times like i just like so shocking it would like numbed me i mean it's just like so horrible yeah um what happens to this precious little girl it's yeah it's sickening and to give some background um because the back copy again doesn't really leave you with much um but i mean she gives it all away in the first page i was just gonna say um so we're not giving too much away although we always spoil the end anyway but for this conversation um and for context so it begins with announcing that piccola at 11 or 12 maybe is pregnant by her father 
and she basically um, is shunned by legitimately everyone, including her own mother. Um, her brother has run away. Her father has abandoned them. Um, the mother won't even look at her. And the entire community, I think it's in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, it's set in the town where Toni Morrison grew up. They're disgusted by her, by the small girl that was assaulted by her father. And it's like heartbreaking because it's... It, 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 you're like, why is it like this? And then you're, you know, okay, we're going to go back. We're going to figure out every character. We're going to yeah. get everybody's perspective on it. And, like, by the time you go to the end, you're like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? Yeah. What is wrong with these people? And if you don't mind, um, I'm talking a lot, but I, that kind of brings me to my next point um, about the perspectives and the children's perspectives versus the adults' perspectives. So, like, um, one thing that you notice in the end is when you get the reactions, the visceral reactions of the women uh, to the news of Piccola being pregnant by her father. And this is seen through the child's eyes and ears of Claudia, who's nine, and Frida's ten. And they knew Piccola because once before she had stayed with them when um, the dad was acting up and, like, tried to kill them all or something like that. And it's no big deal. Um, And Piccola said, and then and they were they witnessed Piccola uh, get her period at 11 um and so in their child knowledge they're like oh now you can have babies and that was it they didn't know how they didn't know why but they're like yep that's why you have it now and so you fast forward to the end where all the mothers and women are sitting around the table talking about it and they're overhearing it um the children are and they're like listening to all these women just laugh love the gossip um talk about it in disgust talk about how ugly Piccola is talk about how like the mother basically beat her when she found out and like all these terrible terrible things and the two little girls are just sitting there waiting 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 to hear someone say oh that poor baby oh that poor girl and like no what they hear is these women saying i hope the baby dies yeah. i'm like what is wrong with you this little girl like did not have a choice in the matter and I'm like, and now you're wishing something even worse on her that's, like, heart-wrenching to lose a child that you carry. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think that was interesting. Um, and also, like, her friend, like, Claudia and Frida's reactions where they're like, we're gonna, like, bury these seeds and, like, hope that the baby... Like, it's just, like, this, like, innocence of childhood where they're, like... They want to it's just a like, miracle. Yeah, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. And, like, in the... It's yes. Because they, they heard the phrase, it's going to be a miracle if this baby survives because, of course, it is. The girl is 11, 12 years old. Yeah. She's malnourished. She's not taken care of. There's no way that a healthy womb could could have that, yeah. you know? And even if she carried a term, like, it's incest, so it yeah. may have, like, genetic disorders yeah. on top of that. And so these girls here, oh, it would be a miracle if this baby lives. So all they think is, okay, well, then we're gonna help make a miracle. Like, that beautiful innocence and, like, just the positivity in that and then, like, um, some other thing that was showing with, like, the opposite of that a little bit was the child's perspective, um, which is discussed on the back cover about racism and class and all that. And, like, you get to see it from two different kinds of uh, children. So you see it from Claudia, who is black, and her hatred for Shirley Temple <laughs> um, for the time. It, it's the 40s, and Shirley Temple is the shit. Um, and all of her sister, her sister's friends, like, they all love Shirley Temple. I think Picola is obsessed with Shirley Temple, um, which we find out later why. And Claudia is just pissed because she wants to be the one to dance with Bojangles. She doesn't want Shirley Temple to do that. And if you don't know who these people I'm referencing, um, Shirley Temple was a child actress with, like, the really tight curls, and she was, like, uh, a performer and, like, ended up, you know, growing up, obviously, but um, she performed with a lot of grown men, if you think about it, which is kind of creepy. But um, it was the 30s. Uh, I had a box set on VHS, so I was a fan. Um, And Bojangles was a black dancer. Um, And she danced with him and Claudia was pissed because she was like I should be dancing with both ankles and so that was like her like projecting onto like one girl not because she was white but because she was like dancing with someone that she would want to dance with and it was like that innocence that grows up and like she admits it in the book like I didn't realize later until like that what the real hatred was um and the same thing happened with Mr. Breedlove, aka Charlie, which why? Um, 
who's who's a Piccolo's father. When he was a kid, he was um, intimate with a woman. No, she was a child. She was like 15, 14? Yeah, but I think he was... I think he, he was, was like 13, age. 14. He was yeah. around there. It was right after his aunt died, and they're like getting jiggy with it. And um, two grown white men find them and shine their light on them and literally want to watch. It's disgusting. And um, instead of getting angry at the men, he gets angry at the girl. And he projects all of his hatred onto her, not understanding that his hatred is actually towards the men, but like right. he just couldn't... That linear thought just couldn't happen. Um, and I think it's just interesting the way Morrison shows that children aren't made prejudice or whatever, or they don't understand the societal constructs that we create as adults. Yeah. And um, those are very two interesting, different uh, examples. But I just, yeah, I just thought it was fascinating the way she showcased children's perspectives in juxtaposition to the adults' perspectives. Yeah. Um, on very adult situations. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's very, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah, part of me is like, oh, I just want the kids' perspectives. But, like, I, the adult perspectives gives us so much more. Um, well, some of them, not all of them. But, yeah, I don't know. I think what Morrison, another thing Morrison does really well is showing the complexities of the relationships between mothers and daughters and sisters. Um, she does it really well in Beloved, um, but in this one too, I think we get perspectives from Claudia and Pauline, and actually, like, there's, like, a section in Pauline's backstory where they, where she uses I, and it's, like, in quotes and italics, and it's, like, it's weird, because it's not Claudia speaking, it's, like, it's Pauline speaking, and it's the only other time I think we get a first-person perspective. It's just a couple of paragraphs in Pauline's backstory, and it's so weird how she kind of, like, uh, this isn't, like, I can't explain what it means but I think that it's like brilliant <laughs> like I don't know like it's like the only other time we get a first person perspective is when she's like weaving together like Pauline and Claudia I don't know it's it's really hard to like discuss her work intelligently I think because it really is I mean I don't want to sound cheesy but um I think that's okay I think it's like I don't know you know like you read sometimes and you can't really explain what makes a book so good or so beautiful it's just like a feeling yeah that's a feeling I have when I read Morrison's work it's like it makes sense but I can't articulate it it's just like a feeling that I have that like this is really powerful literature and like this is really moving even if I can't say why yeah yeah I think with Pauline's um interspersed perspectives uh it felt very stream of consciousness to me and uh almost like she was telling this story to someone not even like a journal like she was telling it almost like she was explaining it to Piccola because like for me reading and this was my first reading so it could be different as I reading or whatever um it felt like Pauline's backstory was the most important one um because like Cola doesn't really have a backstory she's 11 um she has like explanation of how she is and why she is but like Pauline you see all this happening around you and like she's her mother why isn't she stepping up and like you you see the way Pauline transitions from who she was into what you see as like from Claudia's perspective And um, it's like she goes from this daydreaming child who has a deformity and is very overlooked um, to someone who is enamored with her husband, um, the first man that really comes to her in her daydreams, the exact way she's daydreamed about a man coming to her. Um, Like he appears to her like as she's gazing out into the nature or something and takes her away, takes her away from the place she's ignored. And instead of like ignoring her deformity, he like relishes in it. And he, like, loves her for it or whatever. And then it, like, twists and turns. They're, like, you know, they're very feral for each other. Um, (laughs) They're horn dogs. And and then, you know, money gets tight. And she loses her job because he he starts becoming an alcoholic. And she loses her job based on the fact she she was a servant. She calls it a servant to a white family and the woman who was scared by drunk Charlie coming to the house to pick her up, told her point blank, you have to leave him or I'm not letting you work here. And like, Pauline was like, you can't tell me to leave my husband. And so she lost her job. And, but then, you know, Pauline is okay with that somehow. 
um, because she gets pregnant and she wasn't intending it, but she gets pregnant. She starts going to the movies and she loves the movies. It's her. It's an like it's an adult version of her daydreaming as a child. I feel like. And then there's that signifying moment, which I didn't get at the moment, but like I understand it now. She loses her tooth because it was rotting, and I feel like that just represents her just losing um parts of herself, literally. <laughs> because by the time she has her second child, she gets beat by Charlie a lot more. She fights back, but then she becomes the breadwinner of the family. They need money, so she goes back to being a servant for a family, and she throws herself into that. She loves the housework. She loves serving, essentially, but she only loves serving this white family, and she, like, cares for the child with such tender love and care that she does not reserve an ounce of for her own children and grows to resent her children to the point where, like, this family gives her a nickname, Polly, um, which nobody else has ever given her a nickname. So she feels this, like, adoration towards this family. It's not even, like, love, it's servitude, essentially. And she lives to serve for them, and she says it. Like, I'm not, you know, putting that out there. She literally says that. And um, she, like, happily works all those extra long days to get away from her family to the point where, like, she literally scolds her daughter, hits her daughter, Pecola, when the little white girl sees them and is like, who is that? And is basically scared by, like, three black girls because they're, like, Claudia and Frida were with her. And they're like, who are they? And she's like, what are they? And, like, the little girl's like, I just wanted to punch her. But, um, instead, Mrs. Breedlove just soothes the little girl, hits her own child, and is like, get out of here. It's, it's crazy. It's, but it's like, I understand what Morrison is, like, saying, and I'm sure this actually, like, this has happened. Um, but it's just, again, heartbreaking. Can't even think of another word. And poor Piccola. <laughs> she never stood a chance. But, yeah, um, and also Pauline, just, like, she needed, she just could never get, she could never get out of the grip that Charlie had her, had her on. She's too addicted to him, so... Um, but yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about any other... I feel like I covered all of my points. I just kind of went out of order. (laughs) Yeah, we, like, talked a lot. I just, like, this book in general is very visceral. Um, It's very, very dark. Very difficult to read. (laughs) It's like, we talked about it a little bit off-pod. And I kind of, like, I... I, I'm tired. Like, in a good way. Yeah. But I am tired from talking about it. Um, It's it's it's, an emotionally exhausting book. Yeah, which you need. But, um, I've been reading a lot of those lately so um i need to read like more bridgerton or something um (laughs) but anyway um what would you rate this so i want to give it a full razzle but i can't so i'm giving it a three quarters razzle um because i really could have done without Tolly's backstory and i understand why she put it in but i do not like being made to feel sorry for a rapist or like trying to be like made Sorry. I, I, I don't think she was. I don't think it was like sorry for, for his actions, but like he has this tragic backstory of like being left as a child and like a you know down by like the garbage and like having to be saved and like his then his aunt dies and so all these bad things happen to you to him so you want to feel for him and I'm not saying that you can't do both at the same time and I think that's what Morrison is challenging us to do blah 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 it's more complex than you know black and white good and bad I get it but I really was not a fan of his backstory especially since his backstory leads up and ends with the rape of Piccola. Yeah. So I don't which know. Is, which we didn't need. No, we didn't. And I it made me feel very gross. Um, I also could have done without um, Soaphead Church's backstory. Elihu. Um, I could have done without it. <laughs> um, name, because he's a pedophile and he describes like raping young girls also and like sexually assaulting them. Um, literally could have done without him as a character or his backstory. I mean, I know, like, he gives her the blue eyes or whatever. But, like, that could have been done another way. I did not like him. Didn't mm-hmm. want him there. So I, I could have done with less of those characters, and I wanted more Piccola. And I know, like, like Ali said earlier, like, we understand the intent behind it. Like, she's purposefully not giving us Piccola's point of view and narrative. But I really, I wanted at least, if not from her in the first person, at least more of, like, Claudia's, like, 
observations of her. I wanted her story to be centered more. I feel like it's kind of rushed at the end. All these things happened to her in the last few pages, um, which again is intentional. I'm not saying it's not. And um, Toni Morrison is one of those writers that I really don't like to question because she's a genius and her books are not written for me. Um, But I think that if I were to like change anything about the story, that's what I would have done. So I can't give it a full razzle. Um, But yeah, what about you? Um, So I want to, before I give you my reading, um, The Bluest Eyes, you mentioned it. We didn't even talk about it. Um, The ending. How like Piccola was like, so her, so you were saying how we get everybody's perspective over. Throughout the entire book, we are constantly told that she is ugly. Like just flat out ugly. Everybody hates her. Her own mother hates her. Like everybody just thinks she's ugly. And like it's based on this perception, not just with her, but like some people think, not everybody in the book, but some people think that the blue eyes, blonde hair, white girl is like the epitome, beautiful, whatever. That society, um, it's been in society forever. Um, I mean, I know I wanted blue eyes when I was growing up, but, um, so it's more than that because it's like, um, like even Claudia and Frida, they feel beautiful compared to Piccola. And like in their own way, they don't want blue eyes. They don't want blonde hair, but they feel beautiful next door. And the poor thing, she knows she's ugly. She's told it constantly. So she doesn't even ask for anything like crazy. She, well, yeah. Um, (laughs) So she goes to Elihu, Elihu, Soped Church. Um, His name is Elihu. I just think it's, I hope I not. I'm not making fun of like a traditional name, Um, but it's just, that's how I read it. Um, Yeah, um, that's how I read it too. So she goes to him, the lovely, uh, mystic pedophile that he is and begs him for blue eyes because she hears he works miracles. And this and bitch, she's asked God for them her whole life. Yeah, it's so sad. So he basically tricks her into essentially killing a dog. Yeah, that's not... She kills accidentally two animals in this book. No, she doesn't kill the no, cat. She doesn't kill the cat. cat. The cat was breathing. Um, Thank God. She was petting it and she saw the fur. Yeah. Um, so, read the book. There's a lot in it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, a lot so, so he literally tricks her and he's like, if the dog spazzes after you feed him this, you're gonna get blue eyes. And so, the dog obviously spazzes because he puts fucking rat poison in it. Doesn't tell her. She feeds it. Dog dies. And she runs away scared. But like, she's now gonna believe that she has blue eyes. So, basically what happens is the ending of this book wild because there's two people talking and you realize one of them is Piccola and the other one is um, Piccola <laughs> because she breaks so you find out she had the baby it died um, they're shunned uh, but she goes crazy essentially which is not the proper term um, she has a mental break yeah. and uh, she begins to talk to herself I think she, I don't know if she visualizes another person talking to her but she hears another voice she converses with it and um, she she, they say she twitches like a bird. Yeah. Uh, but she basically, you know, loses all of her marbles um, because of all that has happened with her. But she's happy, essentially, because she truly believes that she has blue eyes now. And she thinks that's all she's ever needed to feel beautiful. So I don't know if I, like, I feel sorry for her, but at the end of the day, it's like, she believes she has what she wanted. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Um, I actually read, I was harsher. I can't, like, go against Toni Morrison in that, like, again, this wasn't written for someone like me. Um, but I gave it a razzle frat because... I mean, I think it's fair. Because I really could have done without the men's perspective in general. I didn't, I don't like the men's perspectives. I think that's one of the reasons I... I resonated so much um, with Beloved. Mm. Like, it was such an impactful book for for me to read um, because you get all the women's perspective. Maybe it's just because I am a woman in general. Um, I just don't, especially the men that they she she writes about. I don't have any sympathy for. And she writes it like they the men are pleading for sympathy. And like I don't think she's saying you should sympathize with them. I think, but it was I was like physically gagging. Yeah, reading both of like their parts. Words. Yeah, both of their parts. And I was just like. it was necessary like you said but um it made me so uncomfortable to the point where like i've read lolita and i handled that better than reading these men 
Um, yeah. I don't so, understand why she wanted to do it from the men's perspective. But to be fair, it was written in a very different time period. Like, maybe because this is talked about a little. Talked about more now. It wasn't talked about when this was published in 1970. Yeah. So maybe this was, like, had to be a shock value thing. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't know what she was she was thinking when she was writing it. Um, I can only imagine and, and uh, you know, uh, gather from, from my own brain. But, um, yeah, so I gave it a razzle frat because it had beautiful writing. Oh, lovely. You've spoken on it. A heartbreaking tale. Intense. All the characters impacted me in some kind of way. You know, they made me feel things. Um, I think the disturbing imagery, maybe it was just the wrong time for me to read this, to be honest. Just because I've read so many books similar recently um, that had very visceral, intense imagery um, in similar situations. Like, I I, I read a couple that just, like, in a row (laughs) that by the time I read this, I wasn't, like, I didn't have a breather in between them. So, um, maybe it was just the wrong time for me to read it. And that's why. I don't know. I feel like I would have and will always feel the same about, like, those parts of the story, though. I mean, yeah, but, like, you know, you never know. You never know, like, if I had read this... It's short enough. I think I want to read it again because there's so much happening rhetorically and, like, plot-wise that I feel like you can't... And this is true of all Morrison. I think you can't get everything out with the first read. No. I think you have to read multiple No, and I think, like, you know, I've spoken to you about this um, off-pod. Like, I was upset that I didn't read Morrison uh, sooner. So, like, I... I get, I think, you know, reading books certain times in your life, um, it just, it's different and they hit differently. So like, like I said, I read like, God, I was reading, um, the love songs of W.E.B. Du Bois, Du Bois. I feel like I used to know that and I just got, I've read, I've read his name so many times that like, whatever, I'm not French. Um, and I read that and then I also have read like The Water Dancer by Ta-Nehisi Coates and, um, those are very intense, beautiful books. Um, very like deep sigh once you close it. Um, so like, I think by the time I got to this one, in the span of a month, like I read and... That's a lot. They're a lot. Like, one is, like, 800 pages. So, um, I think maybe I just have to go back and read this some other time. But I will return it to the library because <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a library book and I, um, I've already had one transgression. Don't want to go to jail. Yeah. So, um, that's, like, I don't know. My take. Razzlecraft. But, um, anyways. Moving, moving on. Moving forward. Um, and upward and Homeward. outward. All those. Um, because it's spring... The sun, it has been sunny this past week. It was 80 degrees yesterday. I was nervous. Um, First off, skin was out, tits were out. It was slutatious. Sun's out, bun's out. Uh, Am I right? You are not wrong. Um, I, like, walked out, and I go into work at, like, 6 a.m. Like, I have to be at work at 6 a.m. It's the middle of the night. (laughs) I go in before the sun comes up. Um, so I, I go in with like a jacket, like a light jacket, because I can yeah, I can look at the weather app. Yeah. But like I walked out and I was like, oh, I am severely overdressed. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I was seeing like oh, halter crop tops, and I was like, yeah. I was like, this was a, an abrupt 180. I was like not ready for it. Um, it's almost time for us to sit on my roof and tan. Yes, That's on your tarmac far. roof that I. Yeah. Uh, it's literally called like a tar we, beach or something. Yeah. Like, we couldn't find the the door stopper last time, so oh, I put I took my shoe off. Next time I will bring a shoe. <laughs> and I and I stood on that tarmac thing. It's not an airport. Um, <laughs> one foot one foot in a sock. Um, but yeah, that'll be fun. So um, speaking of tanning on your roof, I have been training for running for my. How is that speaking of beach- tanning on my roof? Beach body. Okay. Um, <laughs> You could have let me finish the comment. <laughs> trying for that smooth transition. <laughs> we were already, we've already been chatting over time, but it's okay. Um, 
I know that you've been running. Um, we can talk a little bit about it just to kind of wrap up because I like to check in where you're at. Um, and I feel like our very loyal listeners want to know where we're, what we're doing. Um, Hi, Jimmy. <laughs> you don't have to call him out every single thought. <laughs> He's our most loyal listener. For sure. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Um, um, so uh, I feel like I've been talking, so you can talk first. Okay, um, yeah, I've been trying to get back into running again. I feel like I've talked about this before, but my shins are, they hate me. I have the fucking worst shin splints in the world, and it doesn't matter how slowly I try to ramp up running. Literally, my shins always betray me, and they hurt to the point where, like, I can't run for, like, a week. And then, like, if you don't run for a week, then you lose, like, the, like, endurance and stamina you built up previously. And I don't know. It always just ends up fucking hurting my knees and shins. So I'm trying. I don't know if we'll get there. But I am still going on my um, grumpy girl stops, as TikTok calls them, instead of hot girl walks. I do go out on walks all the time. Um, but hopefully I can ramp it up to running because I feel so good when I run. Um, the, so, in, the endolphins. Yes, the endolphins. <laughs> I hate that we both did the nuts. Um, oh, but yeah, so working on that. And then, yeah, like Ali said, and like we even talked about, like the weather is getting beautiful. Hopefully we get some good like spring... Like today was nice. It was like 60 and sunny. A little warm, but like not as bad as 80 degrees. So this is like my sweet spot of the year. In the spring and fall, like my favorite time to go on walks and listen to audiobooks or like plop my ass on a bench in the park and read for hours or like a picnic blanket. So I'm really excited to do that. So yeah, that's um that's what I'm doing to focus on like health and fitness at this point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then we're going to the beach in May, which will be a good like mental health break. Yeah. That's important too. Hence why I'm working on that beach bod. Um, I have a bod and I'm on the beach. I am I lucky. Beach bod. <laughs> I am lucky because I don't have issues with my shins. I do sometimes have issues with the front of my foot. I don't know what part that is. I never took anatomy. Um, I also never took geography. I am a poor excuse for an adult. I had a very bad education growing up. Um, my hometown. Shout out. Um, so I ran my 5K that I was training for last time. Um, decent time. I cut my pace by two minutes. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, granted, I was running at the pace of a grandma. Um, like two minutes faster than before yeah. this. Yeah. So I did my 5K, and then um, now I'm in the midst of a what I call a pace pusher. I don't know if that's accurate in runner world, but um, basically I'm just trying to increase my pace, um, do interval training. I do what I did a lot of training via track. Um, there's a track in Greenpoint that I can go to, and then um, I like run the stairs, which I accidentally ran um, almost onto a film set yeah. multiple times, but like to the point where I got yelled at. They're like, um, move over. Do you not see like the fake like railroad tracks like as they're recording a moving chess game? And I was like, sir, I am fighting for my life on these stairs. <laughs> <laughs> if I, I like, tried to run up and down stairs, I would bust my ass. I literally, I, I just wanted to be like, do you see how red my face is right now? I am not trying to be famous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, you got me. This is my big evil plan all along. Yeah, right. Um, but then, yeah, so I've been doing that. Um, maybe, maybe if any of our listeners that we don't know, um, our runners are well-versed in the running world, um, can give us advice, like for your what is it called shin your splints. shins and um and your front of foot yeah <laughs> I, I know what it is i twisted my ankle and i just never iced it and, oh, yeah. or i like i don't text and walk people um it wasn't even during exercise it was after <laughs> um i was just texting um <laughs> so but then yeah i've been just doing a lot of workouts um just because my anxiety peaks all the time because i constantly am spiraling and questioning my existence because what else is a 26-year-old going to do but um, just uh, tango with existentialism. And as my old roommate in college used to say, um, I do some pilates, which is... Pilates. <laughs> Pilates. Um, <laughs> but, like, it, it's really fun. So uh, I've been doing all that stuff. Anybody um, that likes to do any of that that's listening, hit me up. Um, 
I'll be your friend. I want friends that like to, to exercise and do stuff like that because it's like, I know you run, but like we're at different levels. And also I always feel like I'm killing you when your shins are hurting. Um, and it also doesn't help that you live like 45 minutes by train away. Yeah, so, um, but anybody that lives in Brooklyn that wants to work out with me, um, none of my friends in Brooklyn like to work out because they're all naturally beautiful. So it's like they don't feel any desire to work out. So I'm just like alone. Um, <laughs> I know I like try to make so many friends like I made one friend that like I'm still friends with her that like was running with me but like now she's like I don't feel like running I'm like okay she's like yeah I'm thin enough and I was like okay I was like I was like I mean it's good for your health too she's like nah I'd rather just go like drink oh God, <laughs> I was like alright cool um sure so yeah anybody that wants to be my friend and work out um no judgment and if you are an experienced runner i will make you feel so good about yourself because i am so slow <laughs> so um there's that and then how can you turn that bad off <laughs> so uh there was one more thing on the docket but i think we should save it yeah for the next so the next thing just because like it's been over an hour and um it's something that I don't want to rush a conversation. Yeah. So you can tune in next time. Um, we're going to talk about Miss Madeline Mar- Miller. Yes. Although if she's married, I'm sorry. Um, the Madeline Miller. The Madeline <laughs> Miller. Um, the one, the only. So you, Ashton, read Song of Achilles. Yes. Um, and I read Cersei. So we were going to do a swap, but um, I forgot to remind you to bring it. So <laughs> sorry. Um, but we'll try. Maybe next time we'll have read both of them. Yeah. We'll swap we can talk. Probably not. Have you seen my TBR list? Yeah, I know. Mine's insane. It's in, it's encroaching. Plus, also, I didn't bring it for you, and I only see you not that often. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. um, anyway, um, yeah, so we'll talk about that in the Greek myth retelling. Ow. Um, <laughs> sorry. Just, <laughs> I just hit my foot on my chair. Um, I also dropped my, like, mason jar of water earlier. Um, it's, like, on brand with the whole spiraling thing. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, well. In, um, in the meantime. So, yeah. that's Tune in. Tune in for episode nine next time. Uh, you'll learn about, you know, Cersei and Son of Achilles. And maybe, maybe I'll injure myself on that one, too. And you can hear me make horrible noises on that one as well. I yeah. love that. But I think... Uh, <laughs> I know you would love it. You laugh at my pain all the time. In Um, in love. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So at this point, let's. Yeah. You wanna. You wanna close this one out there, bud. Yeah. Um, so in the meantime, be sure to follow more of our bookish antics on our bookstagrams at there's ink on my hands, one word, and grapes underscore of underscore ash. Share Russell frat with friends, lovers, even enemies. Share the wealth of this gem of a pod and feel free to leave a review and rate our wonderful quirky show. Come for the books and stay for the coffee-fueled conversation. And until then, we shall bid you adieu. That's Razzle frat.